0: Episode 1 of the part of the Podcast. Benediction. Hello, it's James here. I'm with Colin. Hello there. And Jay. Hello. We've just spoken to Benediction about music, uh, writing an album about food, and becoming a new dad.
1: Yeah, and I think that's definitely how that, that feels, although mine's a free so I can't be categorized
2: as a new dad. the loving my sleep. Benediction. Ben, ben, benediction. Ben, ben, benediction.
3: Benediction. Benediction don't have to stop between me me and the special force be, 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 Benediction be, 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 benediction 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 don't have to between me me and the special force so, get into like, writing and, and rapping Um so I've always been into music and I've always been into writing so as a kid I used to write stories and like comics and poems and that kind of thing this was back in junior school. And then I kind of developed like a sort of interest in rap. Not like, ma- not like sort of, mass- didn't massively get into it until the- much later. But I suppose, you know, things that sparked my curiosity were just little things like, sounds corny, but like seeing Fresh Prince of bel and seeing like, Will Smith beatboxing and playing the uh, the glasses, like playing the melody on the glasses at the same time, and thinking, "Wow, that's kind of cool!" Like that you could just create something so spontaneously. Even though like the actual setting or whatever is a bit corny, it's like a Fresh Prince episode. You know the sentiment behind it, I thought was pretty cool. And then um, I got really into like dance music, uh, the likes of the Prodigy and the Chemical Brothers. Who again are kind of rooted in that kind of uh, what's it called that school of like sampling and making like really raw drum-heavy music, mm-hmm. and you can hear the influence that hip hop and like electro has on their sound, and even down to the point where you listen to the prodigy and he's sampling like old Beastie Boys lyrics and getting Cool Keith of the Ultra Ultra Magnetic MCs to guest on on his songs and stuff, and I was like, okay. So that made me want to dig a bit deeper, and then I got into like the Beasties and NWA and like Dada Soul, and Rakim, Wu Tang. And yeah, just um, I like the idea. For me, it was just like that perfect combination of music and uh, like writing, you know. Like, it's, there's so much more scope in terms of what you can say with rap than there is if you're kind of bound by a melody, like when you're writing like a pop song or whatever. Mm. You've got no style to speak of no. Your bars have nothing to write home about See so your lyrics on something I want to hear When you feel the need to get up on the stage And open your mouth You keep going over the... Growing up I lived in like small towns Around like South Wales and the East Midlands um, And I... The first time I ever rapped in front of like A kind of hip-hop audience was at, um, Shef- in Sheffield uh, I went to see Rodney Payne's Skits At the mm-hmm. Poon-on-Ire in Sheffield And he did this bit at the end where he did like an open mic and um, he just got people up on stage to, um, you know, spit 16 or whatever. And uh, yeah, like my mates, I was 17 at the time and my mates were like shoving me on stage and I was like, okay, fair play. And yeah, Ronnie P went nuts. And I was like, I remember being like 17, being like completely starstruck. Because like this guy that I've been listening to for years was like buzzing off my rhymes. I was like, okay, maybe I could do a bit more of this. And then I went to university in Liverpool. Uh, Ended up staying there for seven years. And, um, yeah, just got fully immersed in it then, running the hip-hop night at a place called The Magnet with my friend Steve, aka DJ Sketchy Boy. And that night at that particular club was, like, you know, for years, that was their longest-running night, like, full stop of any genre. And, you know, we were doing that monthly, getting people, like... um, Broken English from Manchester to come down. Souls, Souls of Mischief actually played there. Mm. Some like little dingy, like dingy sounds harsh, but like, you know, that grimy basement club in Liverpool. We managed to get Souls of Mischief over, which was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a really fun time. But that's when I really got immersed in it. But I didn't release anything until mm, like years later. Um, like when I was way into my late 20s. Uh, it was when I dropped my first EP, and that was after moving down here. I felt like um, I don't know, like coming down here was like I was able to like start fresh in a way. I had to. Um, I, had, I had a group up north, but um, you know we all moved to different cities, and it kind of we still do stuff occasionally. We we meet up and we're really good friends, but you know I was kind of forced to go solo again when I came down here and establish like a whole new circle. Mm-hmm. And yeah I've been in terms of projects and recording projects I've been more productive down here than I was anywhere else. So what what
0: I find like interesting is the whole process of any kind of creative mm. so if it's uh, taking photos, making films or, or writing
2: mm-hmm.
0: like the actual process of doing that and how different people work what's your, what's your ideal kind of setup for writing and, and making an album or
3: a track? I don't really have a set of way of working but I think it helps to be able to put yourself in a space where you're not distracted mm-hmm. and you can focus uh, and sometimes that might be sat on a train you know just like your, your headphones on and literally all, or you know all you have is like what you're seeing outside as the train goes past it might be that you know these days it might be when my wife and the little one are out and I've got the house to myself, I could just like crank up whatever I'm writing to really loudly. Um, and I used to write exclusively on pen and pad, but um, now because I kind of like just have to write whenever I can, a lot of it goes to the phone, now. like in the notes on my phone. Um, see, I don't really have a set of way of working.
0: So you don't just, you always write to a beat then if you're, if you're making a, a track or an album. Yeah, I think
3: if, For an album, usually, yeah, like, you know, the Scrum Cartel album I did with Monty of the food album, that was built gradually. That wasn't like we got loads of beats together. We kind of like maybe got four or five and we let other people know about what we're putting together and they wanted to contribute either verses or beats and that kind of gradually grew more sort of organically. But yeah, sometimes it might just be that I've written a random 16 about a topic or some stream of consciousness kind of thing, and then, you know, it might be that I then try and fit it to a beat. Right. Yeah, it really depends. Sometimes you just have to get ideas down. You know, I've written entire sort of verses, sort of between waking up and getting out of bed in the past. It'd be like, no, I need to get this down then. Mm. So yeah, it really varies, really varies.
0: So the uh, Scranton Cartel album... Mm. I've, like Lots of people have made tracks about food, or yeah, yeah. why an entire album? Was it a challenge, or was it just...?
3: Kind of, I mean, myself and Aaron, uh, Monsieur Fritz, we connected about six years ago, and we did a, we did a couple of tracks, which were pretty much in, entirely food references. And then a friend of ours, producer friend, was like, why not make an EP? You know, in the style of, um, you know, these sort of classic uh, duos, like Cypress Hill, for example, or whatever, where they, they have a theme, or, you know, the alcoholics from Los Angeles who talk mainly about drinking and partying, but do it about food. Um, because, yeah, you, you know, you do get rappers talk about food, like Action Bronson's a prime example, and he has a series on Vice about, you know, can I swear? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yeah. okay. Called cool. Fuck. That's what? delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I was just checking on sure It's for the, uh, we can the kids. It out. For the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can reverse it. We'll put a beat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he has like food references and lots of song titles, which are very foody. Uh, but yeah, we thought we'd just make an album. Like, from, from what we can gather, no one's ever really done that. The closest thing to it has been on Um Food by MF Doom. Uh, right, yeah. But that wasn't... Lyrically, it wasn't really exclusively about food, it was kind of like loosely about it with um, some skits with kind of snippets that kind of bound it together. It's a great album but it wasn't explicitly about food and we wanted to make one, which was.
0: Um, the Corners album, mm. like for me that, cause that was the first, I, I didn't even know you you rapped or anything mm. and I think I, your wife started following us and then she yeah. posted a picture and tagged you in it. And I was like, yeah, Oh, let's yeah. see this guy, follow him as well. And then I was like, Oh, he's released this album. So I downloaded it and it was like, you. it was a really good, <laughs> seriously, though, really good album like for you, me. Like yeah. the Scran Cartel one is good. I, I listen to it and I enjoy it, but the Corners album, Just every track for me is like thank you, really good.
3: Um, I think with the corners album um, that came together relatively quickly. Um, I think I don't know. It's I suppose that is quite a serious album, for the most part, give or take a couple of tunes. Yeah, it's quite like you know, it's quite introspective, and in places we're kind of like showing our more sort of vulnerable side. you know, uh which historically or typically isn't always associated with hip hop music. It's becoming more so like I suppose rap these days is a little bit more, quote unquote emo. Um mm-hmm. which is good in a way. I think it's good that, you know, it's becoming more of a platform where you can sort of express a whole range of emotions mm-hmm. and not be judged for it. And I think the Corners album, yeah, maybe it's varied, you know, it's, it's varied and we are trying to cover different themes. We are trying to sort of really speak from the heart on the tunes. Um,
0: Not all of them though. There there's some, a couple there more kind of lighthearted of ones. Just and everything about like the beats. Yeah, the, like the lyrics, everything was just, I felt like it really came together well.
3: Yeah, no, we were super pleased with that. And the response for it was great as well. It was the first thing, you know, it was made up of three MCs, me, D-Flux and Better none and none of us had ever put anything on vinyl. So it was our first album we put on vinyl, and it was kind of strategic in a way in that we could share the cost. Like, p- pressing wax is really expensive. Um, we were like, well, you know, we're putting together this album, the three of us, we could probably afford to press it. And yeah, it did really well. Within we a few months, we made our money back on the, the um, pressing. Okay. Uh, we still got quite a few that we need to shift, but... Um, <laughs> that's normal. Um, We were having this discussion the other day
0: about social media and just Mm. or or just the internet generally, just Mm. making everything really accessible to, especially to artists.
3: I think it's ultimately a good thing. Um, I think like anything that has its it's good and bad points. I think it's good in the sense that for a lot of people now, they don't you know, they don't necessarily need to sign to a publishing agency or Um, If they're an author or if they're a um, musician, they don't need to sign to a record label anymore. They can just handle that and distribute it themselves, you know, um, and get it to people and publicize it themselves quite readily and quite easily. I think that side of things is really good. Um, What I'm not a massive fan of, I feel like the current internet generation don't necessarily have a massive attention span when it comes to, like, don't necessarily, I'm not. This is a sweeping statement, you can't speak for everybody, but they don't necessarily place the same value mm. on a song as you know, my teenage self would have done in the late 90s, buying it on like a, a you know, double A side 12 inch, you know, that I'd paid nine pounds to get imported from yeah. the United States. It's a couple of clicks away, which is good and bad. Um, but yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it. I kind of like miss that in a sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got a lyric on that corner's chart, and like, I'm like, I'm an album guy, never, never clicking random shuffle. I like to listen to albums mm. all the way through. And I feel like I've kind of reached a bit of a playlist generation now where, you know, people don't necessarily buy albums. They'll like sort of highlight maybe two or three tunes from an album, whack it in the playlist, which is good. You know, everything has its ups and downs. But yeah, kind of, I don't know, arguably, I think people maybe put less value on music, recorded music now. But I found one one thing I think I've noticed is that, um, that
1: people are making people are making well, obviously people are still making albums, but on an album the entire album is made up of singles mm. rather than kind of you know having it yeah, like, like, like how you I've done it. You have a theme, yeah, and you've that kind that of gone happens. through that theme for your for your album, and you're not sitting there thinking, okay, every single album, every single track is a single. Yeah,
3: um, whereas I think it, that does happen. Yeah, a lot so, because, so because your, of the way that people are made right. a
1: and, and buying single tracks, people are going, right, I've made an album, but
3: let's, you know, make yeah. it like a single, single. So what you're saying is, um, because they want it to have that playlist, mm-hmm. like maybe whack it on a house party kind of feel, for yeah. example, mm-hmm. they want every tune to have that kind of energy to it. Yeah. So, so you don't get it doesn't actually listen like an album. Exactly. I yeah. can imagine that is the case for a lot of modern artists, and they're probably, you know, if not forced to by whoever's backing them, maybe sort of subconsciously thinking that anyway. In a lot of cases, but I think thankfully there are a lot of you know really uh, successful artists out there that aren't necessarily sticking to that format. Like I thought. um To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar was a really great album. And that did have some tunes that were obvious singles on it, definitely Mm. like um, All Right and a couple of others. But within that, you know, there was a narrative to it. Um, There were like little refrains that you kept going back to um, and skits that kind of connected it all. Definitely you could listen to it like an album. That was hugely successful Mm. and hugely politicized. You know, at a time when, you know, when you looked at what was going on in the world, it was kinda of needed and it was kind of refreshing that people bought into it so much. Um so there are, you know, examples that thankfully stray away from that. Singles, single, singles, instant, instant kind of appeal. But yeah, I think a lot of people do it. I'm an album man, never hitting random a shuffle, but nowadays a lot of guys' attention spans on up to scratch. Trick to YouTube MCs got the crap. You mix it's not a tick, nor is it mixed. What's up with that? Um I'm not at the point where I can kind of live off music alone, unfortunately, mm. but I know that the people that bought the Corners album backed it fully, like they loved it and the feedback we had was really good. So, yeah, I mean, depends what you want from music, I suppose. As right. an artist or a listener. So I'm a primary school teacher. Okay. Yeah, I work in the borough of Newham in a primary school there. Um, and I'm heavily involved with the Kind of arts program at that school uh so yeah, that's that's my bread and butter uh, i've recently gone part-time so i don't work mondays now and that's that's motivated by the fact that my son is quite young and i just want to be mm. around while he's this little i'd like to reach the point where i the, the money i make off music is enough for me to be able to reinvest in it if mm. that makes sense it's like something that keeps itself ticking over it doesn't necessarily pay me mm. or or like, you know, contribute to my income as a homeowner or like a, um, a parent, but it's something that just kind of ticks over and mm. can be reinvested in itself, you know. Um, and I feel like I'm slowly getting there, slowly. Um, but yeah, I think by the same token, you know, I've had to become a bit wiser in how I invest money musically. Mm. Because um, it is expensive. I don't know if you know people or you're musicians yourselves and you've ever used recording studios. They're not cheap. Mm. That alone. And I think ultimately at some point I'm just going to have to kind of teach myself more if I want to be, you know, like actually look more into engineering mm. as, as just finding time. Because, yeah, I know people that just do all that stuff themselves. They record themselves, they mix and mask themselves, and they make their own videos and they, you know. I was going to ask you about the, handle the, whole thing. the creative side,
0: how much input do you have like in even the t-shirt you're wearing, the album artwork and the videos, is that something, do you come up with those concepts or...? Uh,
3: so the, the t-shirt I'm wearing currently scran Scrum Cartel t-shirt, uh, £20 plus p get on me on Instagram, uh, you get a digital download of the album, plug, plug, plug. Um, <laughs> the actual album cover itself, we have more of an input, we're more specific about what, what we're after. In terms of the videos, like, um, for the most part, we have quite a lot of input in that. Um, yeah, it's definitely a dialogue. It's not. It's very rare that we kind of step to a videographer or a, um, whoever and uh, say, right, here's a blank slate. We do whatever with it. There's usually a dialogue. Um, the only exceptions, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Pepper Sauce video by mm, it was, Corners. Yeah, um, that was directed by a guy called Marco Vellini, who's based out in Rome, um, who I'd worked with previously years ago on my first ever video. And in fact, both videos I did with him. He was like, oh, "I've got this great idea. I've heard your tune. So, you know, mm. obviously, I had to send in my lyrics as well." Um, he speaks great English, but just to help. Um, and he was like, right, "I've got. I've been working with this technique where I won't get into the technicalities of it. It's very hard to explain, and I don't know anything about it. But basically, he made the pepper sauce video look amazing. The way he kind of cut between everything and sped, sped it up, s- slowed it down. He had us performing at different speeds, miming at different speeds. It's very Beastie Boys. Yeah, and inspired, the energy right? of it was quite Beastie yeah, Boys, like else, which is amazing because like, I'm a big Beasties fan." But also, he said that they used a similar technique in an REM video like years ago. I forget the name of the tune. But where they're kind of all miming at different speeds. And when you mess about with the playback and the editing, it looks like some of us are going super quick while mm. the rest of us are going super slow. Was that done slow. in one shot? I yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, all done in one shot. Yeah, yeah, Very cool. Yeah, so that was his completely his idea. And we were like, we'll go with it. We knew he was tough from what he'd done previously he's, he's, he's really really good and he's doing very well now um, but usually yeah there's a dialogue or sometimes I might even have an idea um, but it'd be great to reach the point where you know I can kind of realize themselves then myself I have like the technical now to be able to do it but just finding time really but it's cool you know its, it's again it's quite cool to have that collaborative energy going on and, Sometimes people have ideas that you wouldn't think of on your own as well. You know.
0: And you've got a nine-month-old baby boy. Yes. And how how has that changed your your music in terms of mm. not just the content mm. of your music, but do you get less time for it? Do you? I mean, how is that? And what's the ideal? Because we were talking about um, how you'd make money, and if it was gigs and concerts, how do you find like or, or if you could do it full-time mm. and you had a tour, even countrywide, mm. how would that work for you?
3: Or how would you feel about that? Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd ever get to the point where I'd do like a sort of really um, long tour or whatever, but I mean, you know, obviously with the nature of doing music, you do get asked to play in other cities and other towns. Um, did a game in Blackpool recently and you know, I've got gigs coming up in other cities around the UK. And obviously that does mean you have to be away for like a day and a night or whatever. But um, I don't know, part of me is thinking I might just take them with me and just like, we can, you know, see the, the, whatever town it is during the day and then go to the Airbnb. i go gonna do the gig, go home kind of thing, maybe. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about being away safe. You Know they get off of like a 10-day tour. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I know people that kind of make a living off being a musician, they have to gig constantly. Um, you know, they've, they've been very successful from it, but um, now that families are coming to the picture for them, that is hard, you know, mm. that is difficult. Um, but well, then I guess if that's how you're providing for your family, then yeah. yeah. Yeah, and obviously, they they would have entered into that known that that was the case, you mm. know, so it's kind of like, yeah, you can't really, how much, I, I have, I suppose, in a way, I've got the luxury of being able to make adjustments to it, because I don't rely on it solely as an income, I can adjust it around my life a little bit, mm. but if I was to, then it'd be a bit more, you know, essential, I suppose, mm. yeah. Have I missed anything in, in uh, the so question? You, yeah, so what it, was the rest of the question? I feel like I've answered part uh, of it. But. Uh,
0: yeah, so just how has
3: it changed you, like right, the content okay, of the yeah, music sorry, as well? Has changed? it changed? Yeah, no. definitely. I feel like it has. Um, I used to want to be everywhere. I used to want to be like, you know, um, and take any gig that was offered to me um, just to get the name about, And also like go and support my peers or whatever. Either. You know, hip-hop is in the city, it's very grassroots, and a lot of the people in the audience are often performers themselves, which is good and bad, um, but yeah, I just can't these days. Like, I'm knackered a lot of the time, so I've just got to be selective yeah where I go, I've got to be selective. And in terms of gigging myself, like, I've just got to, got. There's got to be a minimum payment involved, I've just got to be like, no, you just have to kind of put your foot down a little bit and just mm-hmm. be like, Oh, I just wouldn't do the gig there. There's more riding on it now. If I'm away for like a night doing a gig somewhere, that impacts on more things than it would have done previously. Uh, And it's fun and I love it, don't get me wrong, but equally, need that (laughs) (laughs) scribble. I'm not writing as often as I was, sadly. But what I am doing is actually finishing things that I (laughs) wrote years (laughs) ago. Cause like it's, it's, I don't know, like at the moment I'm finding it quite easy For where I am currently, this might change, quite easy to be more on the kind of uh, administrative side of the music and kind of like, you know, booking myself for gigs, um, sort of organizing album art to be finished, that kind of thing. Actually, you know, writing songs and conceptualizing ideas, I find it very difficult to get in that space at the moment, but that's fine because I've got like years of projects that have been sitting there. So, I'm, at the moment, I'm kind of finalising things and putting things out that should have come out ages ago, mm. like Scrum Cartel. Um, and there's a couple of other things coming out soon, too. So, that's where I'm at currently. And I think once they're out, then, you know, I'll just be like, I can reset again. Yeah. And also, this kind of move towards like doing more spoken word kind of suits me in a way, because it's not like I'm up to like 2 a.m. in some like grimy club. It's like I'm still performing lyrics, but. There are events that finish at like ten or ten thirty yeah. and like it could be bed bed for eleven, yeah. ten thirty or yeah. like, you know. Which is a lot more like manageable when you know, you've got a little one waking up randomly. I still still hit the occasional sort of like later event. Um, but again I've just gotta be selective. I'm sure you can all attest for that, the show, you know. Do you find your writing
2: styles changed, So, like you say, you've got a backlog of stuff you started writing, but maybe your outlook on life has changed a little bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um,
2: the relevance, maybe like when you're a youngster out partying, like your, yeah, your goals in life are different, aren't they?
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, the kind of stuff that is that I'm about to release from it's not from that long ago. It's like maybe three or four years, so it's not like a drastic difference, mm. but obviously. When I do right now, the content of what, what I'm writing is a little bit more different. Um, and inevitably, you know, I've, I've written stuff about being a father, and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's inevitable. You, you write about what you, you're experiencing. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't want to just be the guy that raps about being <laughs> like, oh, <yeah."> <laughs> <laughs> No one wants to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, inevitably it creeps in there oh, and I'm working with a band on, on some bits as well, which is cool. Um, like a live, live band? Yeah. yeah, Very early days, but that's, that's okay. quite, quite cool.
2: How did you find a transition from when you moved from further up north to down to London? Did it affect your writing style or your,
1: like, um, were you a gig? And how green were you? Like, you know, for, or for the me, you can, you can always tell, like, when people come down from somewhere else and in, into London and you're like yeah you've not been in London long you can just there's a sort of like greenness about
2: them well you see some people they're so friendly to people like on the tube and stuff like you know. yeah were you, were you that guy
1: or were you kind of like straight in you know if you were in Liverpool
3: for years I'd like, lived there for seven years it's a pretty big city yeah, too, like right, us, yeah. yeah. ish yeah but the, the pace of life there is completely different completely different And because it's so um there's like three or four universities there. Like, at summer, like it's super quiet. Like, we went up the summer, it was great. Like, I, I love the place. I've still got lots of friends there, but um very different from down here. Like, I do love living in the capital, like, and I do love the way that there's just like a, a range of opportunities, whatever you're into, uh, everywhere. Um, that's cool, and the food's amazing. Like, the range of cuisine is like, astounding. And arguably, I'd probably say it's better than any major city I've been to in the world. In in all fairness, like I think it rivals and um, beats most cities for that for food. Um, but in terms of when I moved down here, yeah, I kind of just got stuck in really straight away. Um, like my wife's from here, and so you know I've been down to visit a lot of times, and um, you 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 inevitably end up making friends that kind of come from here as well of my best friend from down here. So I've always been here to visit people. Um, and yeah, I kind of like really enjoyed the pace, pace of things when I when I first moved down here. And I still do to an extent, but like, yeah. I suppose because I wasn't raised here, like I'm not rooted here as such, mm-hmm. I part of me does wonder whether I'll stay here permanently or whether I want to move on somewhere a bit calmer, you know? For it. I always
0: think that like one day I'd like to move out and you know, slow down. But I mean, I moved to Hertfordshire from the centre of town Mm. and it was just too quiet for me. I was just like, not that I've got two kids as well. So you've lived out in
3: Hertfordshire? Yeah, I lived in
0: Hertfordshire for two or three years Mm. and then I moved back to Enfield because Mm. I was like, I don't want to be in the middle of it. I don't want to be zone two, three, four, but I want to be close to it just because, like you said, we've got everything here. Yeah, it's true. Of all the cities in the world, I mean, I haven't been to New York, but I'm guessing that would be a comparable. A, a, yeah, exactly. Great city, great city. So I don't know. I just feel like moving out.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I miss stuff. For for me, and I, and I'm always like that. I it's just, I still want, even if I'm not going to experience it, I still want to have the opportunity exactly. To, <laughs> to. Exactly. Go. If one day I feel like popping out and going to, you know, at yeah. least you've got that, rather than being stuck out. And it sounds terrible. But stuck out in the countryside, where you're like, okay. That cuisine just isn't available. That that nothing's open past a certain time, you know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, my
3: parents like moved down to um, Devon in the southwest, Mm. having previously lived near Sheffield. Um, That's beautiful. It's beautiful, but mate, it's so cut off from everything. That's a
0: massive move, isn't it? Yeah,
3: huge. Um, So. it is beautiful down there, but it's so cut off, and it takes forever to get there. Yeah, like yeah, literally, yeah. it takes forever. Um, and I think you know, I wouldn't want to live anywhere that remote. Yeah, maybe when I'm old, older, I might like, yeah, just retire somewhere quiet. But I don't know. I, I I think I'm trying to find like a medium currently where I kind of have access to things that are cool and entertaining or enlightening, but somewhere a bit calmer. But I, th- I think it's hard to find that medium. I think a lot of towns. If they're quiet, they probably just are quiet generally and don't really have a huge amount going on, you know? So it's difficult. You you're you basically spoiled down here in London, definitely. Like, there's everything at your fingertips, which is amazing. But yeah, it's kind of like, I can imagine that be, if you've always been around it, quite hard to kind of take yourself away from maybe yeah, yeah. to an extent, yeah. at least on a semi permanent basis. Yeah, it's it's good easy. for a week or two, and then after that, you kind of. Because yeah, you were all raised here, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, born, born, born So, of, like, born when you kind of like go away, do you kind of like get withdrawal symptoms or whatever? Do you do you miss um, it or like do, you, do do you quite like it? Never like, really away for long enough no. to
0: deal with I I go away for like in the summer two weeks, mm. and after two weeks of being isolated or being you know in a different environment, I'm ready to come back. I'm like mm. right.
1: Yeah.
0: I just uh, yeah, I like the the pace and just having all those things because we we've, we've toyed with the idea of oh, I wonder if we moved to Cyprus, for example, we'd have the beach and the mountains. But then I go, oh, but I can jump on the train here and be in the centre of town in 20, 30 minutes yeah. and have any restaurant, coffee shop, store, whatever experience I want. Yeah, and also the,
1: the variety of people as well. Yeah. Um, well I went to Cornwall um, for a few days with my family because my uh, friends yeah. have got um, a place out there. Mm. And it is—it's beautiful. It's really quiet. It's lovely. It's rolling, you know, rolling countryside and the beaches. You know, it was about uh, that seven-minute walk away from where we were, yeah. and it's lovely and it's really nice. And I was like, okay, I could—I can certainly imagine doing a few weeks. Mm. Further to that, I, I just—I need the—I need the pace, and that's now, and I know that's now. I know it's yeah. that's only going to really. I want it. I want that right now. But I know when I get older, I'm not, I don't care. I, you know, I would yeah, it's true. Done, I would have done that.
3: Yeah, hard work, exactly. Kind of like, okay, I just want just to. I think that. ideally, like when I reach a certain age, I want to retire to like a nice, yeah. like top floor apartment in Croatia. Yeah, <laughs> that's what. Yes. That's what I made Before, like Zadara, somewhere like yeah. that, eat banging seafood every day. Yeah, go for a swim in like the crystal clear blue. I think of it, no, of it. I think no, you, you would. would. You, you would. would. I th-
1: but I, th- I don't know. I think as you as mm-hmm. as I get older, I do. I don't do as much of the things that attract yeah, that no. are attractive to me.
0: But then, don't nothing. you think, like you've obviously got a child as well, and mm-hmm. do you not want them to have that
3: same, like just exposure to? I kind of everything? feel like I yeah. want my kids to have that. Like um, partly because growing up, I didn't always have. But I have lived in some pretty small towns where they are quite monocultural, not a huge amount going on. And, you know, working in schools down here, I think it's amazing, like, just how the kids down here just take it as part and parcel of their their existence, that they're constantly in contact with other children that are completely different from them in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, race or languages they speak or religion or whatever it is. And they're used to being around difference, And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's that's a great thing. Um, but I, you know, I think a lot of kids, a lot of kids down here, that's just what they have. It's what they're used to. They don't probably think anything of it. But it's, yeah. it's quite that is a definitely one of its, one of its the best things about living in London. It's like you get areas that are predominantly particular like um, societal groups or whatever. But generally, people are kind of used to being around people that are different from them, mm-hmm. which is I, I think cool. that's
1: actually a, that's a big thing that will probably stop me from as well at least when my daughter's young mm. uh, that will stop me from moving up because she's she's mixed race and i kind yeah. of i'm really hot on the like representation of course, being able to see yeah. herself and all the people around her. like i don't want her to have one cultural input i like want yeah, yeah. and for me as well like i want to be able to walk down the street and do the other uh, knowing not to you know the, <laughs> <laughs> which you do right you do well i, don't know, I, uh, I do <laughs> yeah if i go to the like. You know, if I go to like Isle of Wight, closing the name, it's predic, it's like predominantly it's yeah. one culture, and I, you know, if you see like one black person, I'm like, hey, hey, you're here too, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're here too. <laughs> like, you just do, right? Yeah, and, 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 I, you you know, know. Do. and it's it's quite noticeable when you're the F, you're really the ethnic like, yeah, one in an area, yeah. and I kind of want to make sure that they're in that. That she doesn't experience that. I want it to be culturally diverse
3: because I, I don't am. do it for the chart of the mainstream. I don't follow the current. I've got love for the fans that say they rate me. You tell me from the bottom of their hearts that they love it. This my mission accomplished. If I'd inspire one kid to have his literature published, i pick up some drumsticks and I did it. I've done it. It's not made believe. You know, I've got love for crime because he made the so, beat. For a lis- any listeners out
0: there who don't know who you are. Mm. Imagine you know, twenty years ago we're in HMV, you know, you just yeah. get the CD and you'd go to the thing and they'd put it on for you and play a track. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if, what you're talking about, but I would <laughs> have to know that one. <laughs> if you were going to recommend like one or two of your tracks to get a good idea of what yeah, you're about, sure. what yeah, would you I, recommend yeah, then? Yeah, sure. The um
3: so uh my name's Benny Diction. Um I should I do all the like social media? Sure, I okay. suppose that was the spot. underscore uh, UK at Twitter. And Instagram and Benny underscore Diction. And it's spelled like the name Benny and the word Diction. And in terms of songs, like solo songs, I would go to I Know But off my album Button Up. Um, Big Cars. That it kind of quite nicely details where I'm at now. I wrote it two or three years ago, where I was kind of like, shit, I'm in my 30s. I've got like a job and I'm married and settled and still trying to rap and like making music. And it kind of details this like almost like a midlife crisis in my head. And the video like captures that perfectly. Um, So I know, but I would also go to. Um, Anything Off The Corners album, but I suppose Pepper Sauce is a good one to go to, Um, or The Inevitable. And what else is a good go-to tune? Off the Scram Cartel album, Dundee, which is a grime tune about food, or Bon Appétit, which is a trap tune about food. I'm just trying to give you a varied palette.
2: (laughs) What's your favourite lyric? Written
3: that sticks oh, wow. um, <laughs> a Good question. Favorite lyric? I've oh, written so many. It's like really hard. <laughs> as I let out my final expulsion of air, I see a blinding light engulfing my whereabouts. And at last, I feel a calm that I've never known, free from gravity, using the stars as my stepping stones. I like that one. Nice.
0: It's very uh, stoic of you.
3: Like yeah, it's a, yeah
0: meditating on your.
3: Your On your death. the inevitable. Yeah, it's coming for <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Oh, Walt well, Disney, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, cool. Should we try and end something more positive? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it's not. It's meant to be a positive lyric about that, anyway. You know, but yeah. Um, thank you for having me.
0: That was Benediction. I hope you enjoyed listening to The Porever Podcast, Episode 1. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Porever Podcast, or you can follow me
2: at Mr. Dr. James Stanton.
1: And you can follow me, Jade, at Black Films on
2: Instagram and on Twitter. And I'm Colin. You can follow me at Colin underscore Stanton, 82, on Instagram also. See you on the next one.